Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com. Check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have a really awesome interview with Robbie Burke. Robbie runs a podcast called All Things Strength and Wellness. Uh, it's on iTunes. If you haven't subscribed to it, you should. It's on my queue every week. I listen to all his stuff. And we talk about just like professional development and how our projects have, have kind of helped mold us as a coach and some, some great lessons that we've learned from some of the people that we've been involved with. Um, Robbie's coming up on 100 episodes this week. So congrats to that, buddy. That's freaking awesome. And uh, it's really cool. We get into some other things too, some some projects that Robbie's working on right now that he's got moving uh, moving forward. So it's a really cool talk, guys. A lot of kind of behind-the-scenes type stuff. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. All right. Robbie, thanks for being on with us today, bud. Thanks a million, Jay. I, I really appreciate the uh, invite to come on to your podcast. Yeah, man. So sat down. We're able to... to get the real face to face in Dublin a week ago yeah. and uh, some really good conversation. But I think that what could be really neat is, I mean, unfortunately now we're across the pond again is talking about the podcast, what we've taken, what we've learned and how that's changed, you know, as a coach. So, so let's start there. Let, let's start with off the top of your head, three to five of the, the, coolest stories or best lessons that you've taken from running your show and then let's get into how that's changed you as a coach well i'm up to actually just on 100 episodes now i have franz bosch is the latest one to come out i'm actually going to post them up after i, I get off of you now but i suppose it, it'd be hard to like pin it down to a few but originally probably like yourself we, we kind of touched on this last week when we met that you know it's, it's nearly selfish reasons you start a podcast you know, just so you can you can kind of interact with people, um, and then you know you are obviously putting a service out there because you're sharing that information with everyone. So, but originally it was it was more of a selfish thing. I, you know, how can I get the likes of Joel Jameson and uh, Greg Cook and Paul Check and Dan John and uh, then more like research people like Dan Pardy who's a researcher in sleep and um, people like uh, T. S. Wiley who wrote a great book about sleep called Light. So, how to get like these certain people onto the show? or get in contact with them, it was to kind of have a show. So that was the main reason. In terms of how it's changed me as a person and as a coach, like I suppose interacting with the likes of Paul Check from a spiritual and personal development standpoint, that's definitely had a huge impact on me. In terms then of just basic health and wellness, you know, the interviews I had then with Dan Pardy on sleep was excellent. In terms of coaching, some of my favorite episodes have been with Matt Jordan, who's a sports scientist in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike, Dr. Mike Isratel, fantastic. I have one that's not published yet with Eric Helms about his um, 
muscle and strength um, training manuals in that he covers like a hierarchy of strength for strength and hypertrophy, which was another fantastic show. Of course, Franz Bosch just mentioned, like, uh, like to pin it down to a top five would be tough. I would have to like, go through them all, you know, and and um, it would take a long time to say these would be my top five. But obviously, some shows have had more of an impact on me than other shows. But uh, definitely, the podcast has definitely changed me profoundly overall as a person and as a coach. But uh, originally started for selfish reasons, <laughs> as I said. Um, but uh, it's one of the best things I've ever done. Um, and I'm still obviously working at getting it better in terms of audio and all that. So I'm very amateur with the editing. But um, yeah, I love doing it. Just like yourself, probably you're you're you know you're getting up there in terms of episode numbers too. And I'm sure, same as myself, it's it's changing you as a person as a coach. And uh, I'm delighted I do it. And I hope it uh, helps people. Yeah, no doubt. It's um, it is a lot of fun, and it brings about like different avenues that you didn't think you would think of. You know, it's oh yeah, it's funny how you you start driving down the interstate, and all of a sudden you take an exit, which would be an episode, and you're you're shooting down different tributaries. You could say based on the people you've talked to. Absolutely. Um, so then let's 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 see here. So like, I would say that probably. My favorite thing in the 45 we've had has been Rhett Larson. And I'm not just saying that because China won the gold medal yesterday in volleyball. But his story that he gave us about why he got into lifting weights was was fantastic. Like, my assistant and I, we still joke about it every day. Um, you know, things like that where you can get sort of the the intimate secondary side of the coaches um, is 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 really really fascinating to me. So so let's go and talk a bit here though about how specific interviews have changed you as a coach. So if there was a time where you talked to somebody and you were like, "Oh my God, I got it all wrong. Like, what am I doing? Like, or even just a even like a brief." Wow, that would be something that could be really important for team X or client Y, something of, of that nature. I I would probably say my three part series with uh, James Smith the Tinker was a big holy shit, I know nothing about training. And I've had a lot of feedback from that three part series. Like it was like an over three hour episode. Um it was on like a Sunday evening and it just went on and on and I was like this is gonna be such a like um a, a monster show. So I divided into three parts and it, it was one I got a huge amount of feedback from. Um but I learned so much every time I talked to James Smith, so much every time. Like uh, I suppose a lot of times you're bringing on guests where you've read their material and their material is very similar to what you maybe currently think or it's along the same avenues you think. So sometimes you're getting a bit of a you know, a confirmation bias. And you get into that sort of thing, what John Kiley would call group thing. Now, John Kiley is another episode which I've had recently. And John's another guy. That every time you talk to him, you're like, geez, you know, every time I talk to John, you just walk away with, with that sort of old uh, um, saying, the more I learn, the less I realize I know. And I always get that from John, too. I learn so much every time I talk to John. But I'd say that three-part series from James in terms of of coaching was a huge, uh, had a huge impact on me, just in the way I thought about training. Um, like one of the, I remember one thing he said, which I found profound over that three-part series. He was kind of saying that in our profession as physical preparation coaches, or whatever you want to call us, strength and conditioning coaches, we can actually get away with doing a lot of damage to our athletes for a long time. 
and he said, if you think about it, there's very few other professions where you can get away with that. He's like, if you were a plumber and you basically screwed up a pipe, you get instant feedback. If you're a doctor or a surgeon and you do something wrong, you get instant feedback. So he was trying to get his point across that as physical preparation coaches, we need to have more um, instant feedback or mechanisms for feedback in place to show that what we're actually doing is having a positive effect rather than, well, this is the way we always do because this is the way we've always done it type mindset. You know, the usual sort of lift heavier weights, just do these runs because this is what we used to do for football, even though it makes no sense from a scientific standpoint when you look at the bioenergetics, just for instance, James all speaks about that. And then, you know, listening lately to the likes of Dan Faft, who is someone I hope to have on the podcast at some stage, and who I'm actually lucky enough to be interning with uh, this year when I go up to Altus. I can't wait for that with Dan. And also with John, they always speak about feedback. You know, always speak about getting feedback from your athletes, whether it's after that session and these weekly debriefs. But I just remember when James said that, I was like, that is so true. I've never, never really thought about it that way, that we can go on a long time doing a lot of damage. And, and... It could be purely like uh, accidental, if you want to use that word. Like it's not sinister. The coach actually believes they're doing good to the athlete, but the fact they don't get that instant feedback, like a surgeon, you know, like it's like uh, if a surgeon nicks the wrong nerve or doing a brain surgery, like they'll know straight away. Or if they nick an artery, they know straight away. Like they have just better operating procedures in place in terms of getting instant feedback. So I think that's one area that was very much brought to my attention with the interviews with James. And then how has that changed what you're doing now? Well, one is feedback from athletes. Uh, I think sometimes one thing I've been reading an awful lot lately or looking into is ego. So like the likes of Ryan Holiday's got ego is the enemy. And if you read any stuff by Ryan Holiday or like if you read any of the great stuff by any of the great leaders out there, like all the books that start talking about the subconscious mind versus your conscious mind and how we're conditioned by society and then our ego versus our true self. A lot of coaches just have too much ego in the game. Um, so one of the best things that our friend Keir went and flat, this is one of the best things I've ever heard a coach say, and this came from Keir. And this wasn't on the interview I'd done with Keir, this was somewhere else I heard this. I think it might have been on your podcast, might have been. But he, he said basically, and I'm paraphrasing, he said that sometimes the best thing for a physical preparation coach to do is to just step aside and do nothing. You know, sometimes we feel that we have to interfere, that we have to add to, 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 to show that where we got the self-worth as part of the whole management team. You know, so we, we need our piece of the pie. Like, this is why I'm here. Like, I, I have to do this because this is my role in this whole organism or this, you know. So, whereas at times it's like, no, these guys actually just need to play their sport and they don't need me to put any more stress on their physiology. Um, so that you know, that's that was one thing. In terms of that advice from James about instant feedback, getting feedback. Sorry, the reason I came up was because sometimes we're too afraid to ask for feedback from our athletes. Like you know, we're too afraid to actually ask the athletes at a weekly debrief. Well, how how do you find training? How's, how how do you find my coaching? What do you think of the training we do? Do you like the structure? What exercise do you like? What exercise don't you like? You know, we're, we're nearly afraid to be what we feel as criticism and really it's constructive feedback. It's only going to make you better at the end of the day. So that's one thing, to actually be able to stand up as a man and say, no, I want feedback because this will make me a better coach, which in turn can help me make you a better athlete. In terms of instant feedback, just better interaction with athletes on a human level, first of all. Like, we hear this all the time. Like, there's people probably rolling their eyes and, oh, yeah, but it's so true. Like, it is so true. Uh, just, to, like, how are you? Like... Re emotional intelligence, reading their body language, and even if you want to be a little more 
Um, it's still going to be subjective with RPE questionnaires, even though Patrick Ward says they've been just as proven as some other objective ways. I mean, if you have the, the, the logistics, you can get into things like obviously HRV and whatnot, and that's going to be more of a daily readiness. But just better interaction with your athletes in terms of feedback. How do that feel? You know, just ask them those type of questions instead of just kind of going with emotions, you know, and then you could fall into ruts. We all do this. You can fall into ruts in your coaching um, and just think things of that nature. Like a question that is very hard to answer, Jay, and I mean, if you have anything to illuminate on this, I'd love to hear it. And anyone who's listening, and it's a big question I'm looking into lately, and it really comes from Fran Bosch's work is, how do we truly know what we're doing is actually transferring to better performance? Like, how do we really know? It's such a hard question. So, uh, you know, in terms of getting instant feedback, like, you know, you can get instant feedback with VBT, but is VBT, is moving the bar that fast going to help that basketball player shoot a three-pointer better? Can anyone answer that? I don't know. I don't know. So, but instant feedback, debriefing, and just being more in the moment. I actually got that from Stuart McMillan in one of his article series. He was like, and I get this so much. He talks about not being in the moment with your athletes. Like, true, like, are you truly present with your athlete? Like, are you actually there? Or are you just, like, somewhere else? Like, are you, you might as well be just on your phone texting. Like, are you truly present with your athlete? I'm trying to do that nowadays. Even now what I've started to do with my students is I teach in a personal training college. If I'm on my laptop sending an email and they're talking at the same time, I'll actually stop and I'll say to them, I'm just, I'll say to them, I'm just going to send an email here and then when I'm done, I'm going to give you 100% of my attention because I don't want to insult you by only giving you 50 and giving this person I'm emailing 50. To be fair to both of you guys, I want to give you 100% of my attention. And so I'm trying to do things now where I'm trying to be a bit more aware and a bit more in the moment. Or if someone asks me a question, like I'll just say, give me one minute and then I'll get right back. People, my students actually laugh now because someone will ask a question and I'll be finishing something on the laptop. And then I'll literally go, what, what did you ask me there, Niall? And he was like, that was a minute ago. How did you remember I even asked you? Because like, I want to be more present. I'm trying to be more present with people. So, so uh, feedback from the athletes, being more present and being debriefed, asking for feedback. That was a big thing I took from the likes of James and, and John Kiley and um, Dan Fath, who I haven't interviewed Dan, but I've interviewed James and John. Yeah, no, I think that the whole idea of what matters is really tricky. Um, yeah. Kier's name's been said too many times already, uh, but... For, and he, by the way, just, just to say this, like, he, he, fantastic coach. Oh, yeah, and, and a super cat, too, man. Ah, oh, great guy. Yeah, and he, uh, but he had something where he, he put some post up this week where it was about, you know, what matters and what doesn't and this, that, and the other thing. It might have actually been pigging off, piggybacking off Mike posting something about football players in America can't squat as much as people think. And did, did, Is this the post about the Japanese rugby players where... The, oh, the... no, 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 but that was great. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was a really good post too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other topic we can get into, but it was, it was something yeah. like people talking about what matters. And he's like, with rugby, vertical jump means zero yeah uh and i was lucky when we were in amsterdam last week to spend the day with hank and he was talking about you know people like to look at vertical jump for basketball and volleyball players but it really doesn't matter it's like well i mean just the the goal's 10 feet the net's this high mm. it, that doesn't change it's not like a high jump um and we kind of started talking about the same thing uh, and he's like so what do you think matters and i'm like i have no idea I thought I did until we started talking, but now I have no idea. Um, 
<laughs> I, I like, me with, like me with John and James, it's like, uh, I don't know nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think that you need to have something to prove that you're improving, but are those the measurables that matter? I mean, like, like you said, I mean, it's VBT is great, and I think if your athletes are prepared for it, it's a great method to use. Yeah. But if you're hitting 0.6 versus 0.7, does that mean, you know, I'm like a jerk or a push press or squat or whatever you're doing? Does that mean you're going to shoot 8 for 10 versus 6 for 10? I, and nobody has that answer. So. No one has that answer, yeah. I know. So it's like I'm reading a book. I just started reading this book. I don't know if the, the people can see that. Um, so straight yeah. Strength and Conditioning for Sports Performance. It's edited by Ian Jeffries and Jeffrey Moody. And just, just on that point, Jay, I only read this yesterday morning. and It was in Chapter 1. Chapter 1 is, is called Effective Coaching and Strength and Conditioning. But there's just a small piece in it that relates right to what we're talking about. And I just, if, I'm just going to give it a quick read here for you guys. So it basically says on page 4 and 5, it's only like 5 or 6 lines. It says, the bottom line of these organizations should be to enhance performance. We're talking about like a sporting organization. So like, you know if you're talking about like a big NFL team or basketball team or over here in Ireland, the Gaelic football team or home team, etc. In a multidisciplinary uh, support structure, however, managers may wish each disciplinary specialist to be evidencing, showing evidence of his or her unique contribution. So like for a strength coach, they want to see like the vertical jump numbers and the bench 1RM, squat 1RM. In this case, the strength and conditioning coach is driven towards performance data on specific exercises rather than bottom-line performance, which should be the only indicator. In simple terms, if I have to keep demonstrating efficacy based only on my bit of the performance pie, so our bit as S&C coaches or physical preparation coaches, my emphasis will almost inevitably be disproportionate, thereby inhibiting other areas. Adding to this problem, poor transfer from strength and conditioning exercise to performance. For example, bench press increases associated with decreased handoff performance in rugby. So that was that was just one sort of example there of what we're talking about, you know. So that's what I mean by ego. Again, the coaches feel that they need to have their bit, and they need, and then they need to justify. Well, vertical jump went up, squat numbers are going up, but then we never step back and ask, but how do we know that's enhancing for outside of beginners? Because we know beginners have such empty cups with physical capacities that obviously you know start to fill those cups in terms of their physical capacities more than likely, if not always, will increase their performance to some degree but at past that like how do we know right right no and that's awesome and we're gonna i'm gonna put a link to the amazon page for that book too so that's strength and conditioning for sport performance yeah strength and conditioning for performance uh edited by ian jeffries and jerry moody it's quite a big book it's um well it, it's very fat but see it's so small like if, if it was probably your traditional a4 textbook it would only be probably 300 pages was like 600 but a lot of it is just graphs and references so it's probably only about 400 pages of reading so good good well we'll make sure we put that in there so now piggybacking off that is there anybody that you've talking with in the hundred weeks you've been doing this so almost two full years that you've talked to them and been like well, wow, that's not really what I thought they were going to be like. Or like the message they gave was like maybe not a 180, but a different angle than you expected them to come from. Probably Dr. McGill surprised me when I interviewed him. Um, and it's funny, he's he's only on the recent Strength Coach podcast and it's sort of similar. Like, you know, I think a lot of people, their first impression from an external perspective of Dr. McGill is that like he's a real sort of 
stern my way is the only way sort of professor and he's not like that at all he's like such a guy's guy like he's so funny he's so pleasant it's just so polite so open to everything whereas some people think that he's you know some people assume he's closed off but he's not at all so he was very different to maybe what i had anticipated but i would like to think that i am not shaped by other people's opinions I like to be. I like to think that I'm like that. So, like, if you say to me, "Oh, that guy," I don't like that guy. I like to think that I have enough, um, you know, confidence and self awareness not to be influenced by your uh, assumption or impression of someone else. I like to be able to make up my own mind. I mean, there's. I I say this to every single, you know, person I ever interact with or come across with, whether it's a group of people or an individual. The only thing I ever want one person to take away from me. This is the only thing. Is that all I ever want for every human in this world is to think for themselves. That's it. That's all I ever want. All I ever want people is just to think for themselves, to have enough courage to come to their own conclusions and everything in life, and to empower people to do that. That's the only thing I ever want anyone to take away from me, and never to blindly accept what anyone else tells them. And that includes me. So when I say this to my students in college, I'm like, that includes me now. That includes me. Question. Be inquisitive. Always have enough courage to go your own way and follow your own path. But uh, Dr. McGill was one. Big time, Dr. McGill was one, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think, is there any other other ones that, that surprise me? Um, like, the, uh, Dan Baker is a funny story, actually. Dan Baker is a very funny story, because I had originally contacted Dan, and I don't know if I should share this, so I don't think he'll care. But I originally contacted him through Facebook, and I was like, Dan, it looks to get you on. And I got this reply, and I was like, "Yeah, um, I, you know, Dr. Dan Baker will come on, and and uh, you know, it's it's hundred and fifty dollars an hour." And I was like, I just wrote back saying, "Listen, my my podcast is nonprofit. Like, I I wouldn't. I know, you know, I was I was young at the time, and I didn't have the money. I was like, I'm sorry, I, I wouldn't be able to afford that." And then I saw him on a few of these podcasts. I'm like, "Yeah, I need these people are all paying hundred fifty dollars for these these." So you know, I was like, "Is he charging you?" And like people were like, "Yeah, you know, on the down low, no, he's not. He's not. He's not charging us." And then I was like, "What's going on here?" So. I saw a link with him and I wrote in a comment on the Facebook saying, Dan, how can I get you on my podcast? Sort of tongue in cheek. And he goes, just ask me. And I'm thinking, but, but I did ask you before. <laughs> and so I went back to the Facebook message. This is like two years later. So I was like, Dan, my message was still actually there. And I said, Dad, I asked you before. Look above. And then he goes, oh, I'm really sorry. That wasn't me. That He says, my wife hates when I do work for free. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like she must have seen that before I done so and to be honest I can only appreciate that because you know when you're the spouse of someone whose time has always been taken away and you you can probably get frustrated like you know, give away your time free so much I could understand that but eventually we got on we had a good laugh about that but he was he was another great great interview it was such a good interview because another fascinating topic with me is in terms of power power output dancing a lot with power output um and only recently, was it Brian Mann? I think it was Brian Mann on your last podcast. He talked about Ben Peterson and the strategies for vertical jump. And this sort of rang true with my, my conversation with Dan Baker. My, my thing with Dan Baker was, like, if someone increases a vertical jump, how do we know we've actually improved their rate of force development, their power output? Because it could be taking longer to express that extra height in the vertical jump. So we need to be looking at time to take off and things of that nature. So I find those things very interesting in force velocity curves and time to take off and stuff like that like a lot of Eamon Flanagan's work and stuff it's very very interesting in that but that was very funny with Dan that was a funny definitely definitely a funny one with Dan all right and he was a great interview yeah no uh that interview with Brian that you're talking about when he went through the excel sheet and 
talked about how you can calculate all those things. I think more than anything, what, what's been cool with, with having Doc on and, and doing those things is obviously, and, you know, kind of rightfully so, he's so distinctly pigeonholed into that Brian Manson VBT guy. And there's so much more to the dude. Oh, like, uh, so so much more, so much more. And uh, I I think that you know him sitting there and, and giving those numbers, and and helping people with that, and then talking periodization earlier, and those sort of things are, are are pretty cool. And it's, I think more so for him to be able to be like, you know, I, I'm more than a one trick pony. You know, has been. Uh, but it's it's so funny. Sorry to cut across you. No, it's it's so funny. It's so funny you say that, Jay, because when I had Brian in my podcast, I I actually said to him, Brian, I don't want to talk about VBT, and he came back and he goes, Oh, thank God. He's like, I'm sick of talking. Yeah. I was like, I actually, I actually was like, I want to talk about the uh, the the what's what's this thing? Um, APRE. APRE. I was like, I want to talk about APRE with you, and he was like, I haven't done any podcast in APRE. And I was like, Well, that's what I read that ebook, and I find it very interesting. I know it's from Super Training. I was like, I really want to talk to you about that. Now, we did touch on VBT a bit, but, you know, I mean, it was on some of your podcasts at that stage. You were just going to regurgitate what had been said, but I really wanted to get him on for the, uh, for, for, uh, APRT, APRE, yeah, APRE. So that was, uh, yeah, it was funny you said that because I remember he was kind of relieved. He's like, oh, thank God. And, you know, I get to, he's like, because, again, he's like, people just pigeonhole me. It's, it's the same with Dr. McGill. McGill, the doctor said the same thing. Dr. McGill says on the podcast, he was like, people just think that, like, I brace everything. He's like, everything comes into me, you know. You know, you got a broken leg, just brace your abs. You got cancer, brace your abs. You know, you you got to lose weight, brace your abs. He's like, everything's like, just brace people. He's like, that isn't what I do at all. But we we do that. We do like everyone gets kind of painted with that brush. But uh, as Ralph Waldo Emerson has has said in his essay, self reliance: to be great is to be misunderstood. So, oh, no doubt about it. So then, you've got some cool things going on for you right now <laughs> that we need to touch upon. Um, but before we get to that. Let's finish the podcast talk with one really simple question. Cool. If you had any interviews that you could do again, either do over or bring back because they were great or there's new developments or whatever it may be, who would it be? I think one that I'd really like to redo is one I'd done with a gentleman called Jock Fresco from the Venus Project. It's not a coaching rail one, it's more of a life thing. Because my podcast is, is some life stuff too. Reason for that being that the audio was a little bit iffy, but the message was very profound. That'll be one I would like to redo. Any other ones that I would like to redo? Um, that's the one that immediately comes to mind. I would have said Paul Check a while ago because the very first interview I did with Paul had a massive influence on me huge influence on me in terms of it was an interview just around about like how to attain self-mastery and self-actualization and basically how to live a more spiritual life and what I loved was he gave his definition of spirituality and all spirituality is to Paul and I use this definition all the time is it's nothing more than taking responsibility for what you create moment to moment and I thought that was such a beautiful definition so ever since that I wanted to get him back on again and I only recently just had him back on and that was more about child development because he recently had a baby. But one I would like to redo is probably the one with Jock Fresco, just because you know such profound wisdom. He he he's had a profound profound impact on me as a human being. He was the first real person to confirm what was always sort of a 
a belief I've had since a young age. Like I, I was always someone that always wanted to know why. Why are people the way they are? Why is everything the way it is? And then he always, he, he, sorry, not, he came out with this statement and it just rang so true to me and, and my heart and to the marrow of my bones where he said, everyone is a victim of their culture and their environment and society. And he's like, all you can ever have for anyone is un unconditional love and compassion and empathy because everyone is the way they are for a reason. And many times these reasons are un unbeknownst to the person. So just because the audio wasn't great in that and he's an old gentleman and you know he's, he's over 100 now, that's one I'd probably like to redo. And one person who I haven't had on the show who I would absolutely love to have on is a gentleman called Joseph Shilton Pierce, who's another guy who's had a profound, profound impact on me. And just again, his writings on spiritual development and personal development and self mastery, just stuff like that. So, and I know this is, you know, this podcast is obviously more towards uh, sports performance and physical preparation, but we all know that if you're a better human, you're a better coach, you're a better coach, you can touch more lives in terms of your athletes. And then hopefully that bleeds into their lives, which then transfers to their children, their children's children, the people in their lives. So it's a, it's a domino effect. Yeah, no, that's pretty awesome too, man. And uh, Paul Check, he's kind of a love him or. Or leave him kind of person because some of those things are a little. Yeah, like, yeah, like, again, it, it depends on on where you're coming from, where you're currently at. You know, in terms of the certain things he'll say, and just where you are and your perception of the world and everything around. Because again, you're 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 only a victim of your culture and your environment and your upbringing. Um, you know, again, if you read any of the great literature on human behavior and psychology, they all talk about the subconscious mind versus the conscious mind and how our subconscious belief system is set from infancy and you know we get that from our parents and from our society and from our schooling and uh, you know true self-actualization is to be able to step away from that step away from that mass and, and that identification and say is that really me or is that just a reflection of, of my indoctrination so that's what true self-mastery is is finding out who you are like okay my name is Robbie Burke but that doesn't tell you who I am like who are you like you know what I mean but with Paul he has so many different hats like okay the exercise stuff I could take it or leave it. There is some stuff that what Paul does that I wouldn't necessarily agree with, you know. Um, but I'm more into sort of his self-development umbrella that he has. Um, I think his nutritional stuff is decent. I think, again, his, his self-development, self-mastery, spiritual stuff is decent. His exercise stuff, yeah, if you're, if you're more on the S&C side and you're only looking at that, you could say take it or leave it. But like like anything, no one's perfect. Like, no one, like you look at any of the great leaders we've ever had, whether it's within our own profession of strength and conditioning or physical preparation or just leaders in general in history, like no one's perfect. We all had our flaws and our good and our bads. But uh, he's had a big influence on me, definitely. That's awesome, man. That's freaking cool. Because it is, it's such a different, it's a different avenue that you can look at, you know, and it's things that I think coaches need to, to take better care of. You know, Brett Bartholomew's writing a book now about developing those relationships and interacting with players and, that you just remind me that that's another guy I interviewed and he had a, like actually Brett Bartholomew only for Brett Bartholomew, and I just give me one second because I want to grab this book and I don't want to I don't want to let my bookcase fall over but it's ju it's just really <laughs> right beside me. But Brett Brett Bartholomew is somebody oh, I've got all these books here is somebody who had a profound impact on me as well because he was the guy who introduced me to this man Robert Greene a book called Mastery. And you can see how much I studied that book. <laughs> but uh, that book has profoundly changed me. And without that book, I would not be going to Altus. I wouldn't be doing an internship. I wouldn't have went and worked at Mike Boyle's last summer without reading that book. That book made me realize, like, I was at a stage in my career where I thought, eh, eh, don't need to do any more internships, you know. I'm in my mid-20s. Eh, I won't go back to college. 
This book has made me now get a master's that I'm starting in September. This book has made me get an, an, a dream internship with, with Dan Faft and Stuart McMillan and all the, the, the staff at Altus. Like that, that book profoundly changed me about how to master your craft, how to really get in and love it. Um, so without Brett Bartholomew, I would have never found that book. And just even Brett as a human, his story, I don't know if you heard his story. If you haven't heard Brett's story, go on to Mike Robertson's podcast, Physical Preparation Podcast, and listen to that. As a human being, I have nothing but love and respect for Brett Bartholomew and what he's doing for our profession. If everyone did that, it done that, I mean, our profession would skyrocket. We'd be right up there as respected. We'd be as respected as medical practitioners if if every one of us was putting in the intent and love that that man does. Yeah, he is a rock star and a better human being. And oh, absolutely. So listen, man, we got we got some news that you got to drop here too. We uh, and we. I would be completely remiss if we didn't talk about what, what you've got going on for you right now. So let's share with the listeners what that is and go from there. Yeah, so um, I, two years ago, uh, and I'm a terrible marketer, terrible marketer, so this is a, a terrible plug. <laughs> <laughs> but two years ago, I, I recorded a four-day strength and conditioning uh, mentorship. It, it was in live, in person, got beautiful weather for it here in Ireland, and um it is now an online resource. It's 20 hours of uh, high-density video material or HD video material, um, and you get all the presentations to in PDF format. And um, it covers everything from the functional movement screen and all the corrective strategies for the movement screen. Now we can always debate about the movement screen, but it's just a screen. That's all it is. It's not to be on. Even Gray will tell you that himself. There's a lot of false assumptions that surround it, which I cover in depthly in this program. From there, then, we look at, uh, at performance testing, analytic profiling. Uh, we also look at then um, dynamic warm-ups. We look at linear, uh, or we look at uh, plyometrics and expl- explosive medicine ball training. We look at linear multidirectional speed development. And with linear speed development, we look at both acceleration and absolute speed. And then we also touch on heart rate variability. So there are the, the video modules in the whole course. It's 20 hours of material, as I said. Everything is a lecture and practical component. And then all of the PDFs are there uh, that go right with it. And um, so I'm re-releasing that product. When it originally came out in the end of 2014, it was uh, priced at €247. Euro. And uh, it sold very well there the first few months. Um, but just this week, you know, I've just been there and I'm just saying, you know what, I really must put a special offer on that because it really is a great product. And a lot of my students who've gone through the college where I teach it this year have bought it and have given me great feedback. Um, so for this week, I'm putting it on sale for 97 euros. So it's 150 euro savings, um, and I really think it's a top class product, and it's 100% money back guarantee. I think when you see that with a product, you know that the person selling it is genuine. So um, I think a lot of people like they kind of they're very shy about selling their products. I'm not shy about selling the socks. I put my heart and soul into that product. I, I know how much work went into that product, and I think it's a solid, solid product. So. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope a lot of people pick it up this week if if they check it out. Yeah, and that's uh, underneath this. We're definitely going to have a link to that page, and then just going through this, how this week's going to go is we're going to have two of the talks that you've mentioned each day going up. Well, the first day will be all three. So Monday, which is the day you you guys hopefully are listening to this because they should have popped up on your iTunes, and you should be rocking this on your way to work right now. Uh, but we're going to have this Monday morning, and this will be the Learning at Lunch Monday. Tuesday will be the three-part series with James, 
And then just looking through here, we're going to have Franz and John on Tuesday, Stu and Dr. Baker on Wednesday, Brian Mann and Paul Check one Thursday, and then Brett Bartholomew, and we'll do both yours and mine on Friday. Um, And on each one of those guys, we'll also have the links to those two books, The Strength and Conditioning for Sport Performance and uh, Robert Green's Mastery. Um, And if you guys are just listening and you're not watching this, flip this on YouTube uh, at lunch or flip this on uh, Facebook at lunch because I have never in my 37 years on this planet seen more markings like highlighters, post-it tabs in a book than Robbie's got in mastery right there. That's it. But that, that, that's in all my books. I'll just show you. Here's my Franz Bosch one. Here's my, here's my Franz one. So I put them in everything. And here was another, another really good book too. But that's, that's great. And that, that's dense. The other one looks like each page is now four times as thick as the other, as it was when you purchased the book. Yeah, absolutely. The the poor binding on that thing is seeing better days and that's for sure. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I, I love, I love it. I, if you and if people want to know why I use the stickers instead of a highlight marker, because years ago I used to use highlight markers, and I just used to absolutely destroy the book. It used to like start leaking through the other side, and I was like, I gotta find a better way. So I found those uh, uh, translucent uh, flags, which I find much better. Yeah, but listen, Robbie, I can't thank you enough for being on today. Keep doing what you're doing, man. It's you're helping the profession better week by week, putting out the product you are for free. You know, and, and not asking anything from people, it's uh, it's a fantastic resource that's covering a lot more hats than a lot of us are, man. It's it's really appreciated. So keep doing your thing, man, and, and we, we do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks a million, Jay. I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, brother, and we'll get this up, and we'll get all that information out to everybody here in the, uh, as we were talking at, at coffee the other day, the, the Sevasp world. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, brother. Don't leave out, don't leave out that last S. Don't be careful about it. <laughs> of course, right? Well, listen, man. Thanks again, and we'll be in touch soon. Yeah. Thanks a million, Jake. All right, bro. And a huge thanks to Robbie Burke for taking the time out and talking with us today. Lots of great things going on over there, guys. Uh, and like I said, we're going to have learning at lunch with all the stuff that he's been putting out that we referenced during the talk today. Some really fantastic talks, great information. Definitely going to help coaches get better. If you haven't subscribed to his channel, do so now. And guys, the links below are also going to have um, a direct link to the books that we referenced in the talk, um, all the podcasts, and of course, the product that Robbie's got the huge sale on right now, the mentorship. Pick that up. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, 20 hours of great stuff, guys. Basically, this dude just laying it all out there. This is what I've learned. This is what we're doing. This is how we work things. It's big time stuff. And for what, 99 euros? That's what? That's about $110. It's really a steal for 20 hours worth of stuff. And as always, guys, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Robbie's just like us, man, trying to drive conversation, trying to help the, the profession be better than it was yesterday. So, Get on that. Subscribe to his podcast as well. If you did enjoy it, guys, share it. Tweet it, Facebook, whatever it may be. We really appreciate you guys being a part of what we do here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. And we will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.